go ahead and confess, before this service started, I, it came to mind a story I heard when I was a kid about a preacher who always in his left-hand suit pocket put in one of the peppermints. And before he got up to preach, he'd pop it in his mouth, and he knew when the mint was gone, it was time to wrap it up and be done. I don't know how he kept from hitting folks, but you know. Well, one day he was preaching, and he is kind of running out of material and still preaching and still preaching and still preaching, realized he grabbed a button out of his pocket. <laughs> now, the reason I'm saying this, Jack Pence gave me a peppermint a little bit ago. But it's one of those soft ones, and it's already gone. You're not getting off that easy. I'm just saying it isn't going to be that good. Today, the title of the sermon is It's About Love. And we're going to cover a whole book of the Bible, so hang on to what you got, the book of Ruth. Uh, in fact, I will encourage you, most of you nowadays have a phone that's smarter than you are, at least I do, and uh, there's a little free version of the Bible I know many of you use called Version, and I'll be using New Living Translation today, but uh, on Version, there's a little button down there, if you open up the book of Ruth, it's got a little speaker, and you can hit it, and it's not a robot voice. It's a real person reading each chapter of the book of Ruth. And we'll read through the whole book to you. And you can do that safely while you drive. I don't recommend reading the book of Ruth while you drive. And my daughter assures me it's cheating to listen to a book instead of read it. But you know, uh, I've listened to the book of Ruth several times this week and really enjoyed it. Just thought I would mention that. Um, this sermon is about love. It is not about romance. And I'm, yeah, I know I put hearts and it's Valentine's Day. Those are actually red over there. You just can't tell in here. Um, love. Sustaining love. Steadfast love. Love of a God for his people. Love of a people for God, love of family members, loyalty. We're going to take a look at things like that today. Uh, the central character of this sermon is a lady named Naomi. Her husband was Elimelech, Elimelech, whichever way you want him. They had two sons, Melon. And Killian. But the main actors, Naomi's the central figure, but we have Boaz and Ruth are going to be the main actors, the main people taking action in the book of Ruth. Other than, of course, God working through it all. The first point is grief, loyalty, and conversion. That's actually a summary of chapter 1. I'm not going to read the book of Ruth to you today, although it's such a good story and such a good narrative, 
you'd kind of enjoy it if I was any good at it. It's just a beautiful story. There was a famine in Judea. They lived in Bethlehem. And the family decided, mom, dad, two sons, to move to a foreign country, Moab, where they could eke out a living. Dad died. The sons ended up marrying Moabite women. About ten years after they got married, both sons died. I want you to think about Naomi. Left her home, left her friends, relocated. Not just a new community, a new country. Her husband died. That brings grief, heartache, and even more challenge. Her sons become young men. They both marry. And then about ten years later, both sons die. More grief, more heartache, more difficulty. And understanding the cultures of that time, that meant there were three women that had no male in their household. That left them extremely vulnerable in that time. Well, they heard that there were good crops in Judah. So they decided to head back and return to Bethlehem. On the way back, the two daughters-in-law and Naomi traveling, Naomi says, look, you are still young women. I'm going back home where I came from. You're young enough, return to your families, find a husband, raise a family of your own. Get on with your life. And they argued with her. No, but we love you. We care for you. And, and they argued a fair bit about it. But finally, Orpah, one of them, reluctantly agreed. Ruth would not. Ruth's hung in there. But while Naomi's trying to convince both these young women to go, here's what she had to say. It's found in Ruth 1.13. Things are far more bitter for me than for you. They had lost their husbands. Because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. Wow. Wow. She hadn't given up faith that God existed at all. She was just thoroughly convinced that God had raised his fist against her personally. God wasn't finished with Naomi yet. Even though she'd had all these tough things, God wasn't finished yet. Ruth said, no, I'm not going. Here's a verse you've heard in many weddings, I feel sure, in Ruth 1.16. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. 
Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Big deal right there. We've already seen the grief. We've already seen the loyalty of the two daughters-in-law for her. And now Ruth not only is maintaining that loyalty, and your God will be my God. This is her conversion, her willingness to give up on her old gods and worship Yahweh. Verse 17, wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. She's saying this from the lady who just said, the Lord's fist is against me. And she's saying, let God punish me severely if I don't keep this. Naomi went, all right. So they went to Bethlehem. In Bethlehem, the women see her coming, see her in the street. She's coming into town. And they start saying, is that Naomi? Is that really Naomi? Do you think that's Naomi? And they talk to her. Here's how Naomi responded. Don't call me Naomi. The name Naomi meaning pleasant. Don't call me Naomi, she responded. Instead, call me Mara, which is a word for bitter. For the Almighty has, the Almighty has made life very bitter for me. Who'd she say made her life bitter? God. 21. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. She had three men in her home when she left Bethlehem. She's got zero now. And like I said, in that culture, big deal. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy to me? Wow. Amazing. When I look at this, I see a lady who's hurt, a lady who's had great loss, had great frustration, and has decided God has turned against her. Someone here may be weary today. You may have been fighting some battles for years and years and years. And even if you've never expressed it the way Naomi has, you kind of begin to wonder, Lord, what's going on? I say again, God isn't finished with Naomi yet. He's not finished yet. Now, surprising kindness is the heading we're going to give to chapter 2. That took care of chapter 1. Didn't hurt a bit, did it? Chapter 2. One day Ruth, I'm going to go ahead with this scripture in verse 2. One day Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, I'm going to summarize this. She said, I'm going to go glean in the fields, get us something to eat. Okay, why don't you do that? So Ruth went together. Down about 
two-thirds of the way down, fourth line from the bottom, it says, And as it happened, she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. As it happened. As it happened. God wasn't finished with Naomi yet. Things that looked like they just happened may be God working in a powerful way and we don't even know it. Ruth went to work there. She was gleaning. Boaz says, who's that young lady? And they tell him, well, that's Ruth, Naomi's daughter-in-law. Oh, yeah, he... Everybody knew the story by then. And, and in fact, his foreman said, in fact, she's been here all day. She's worked hard. She's barely taken a break. And so he decided to be kind to her. And, and took care of her, told her she was welcome to glean the fields, even gave her some extra, told the guys to start leaving extra. And now we're to this verse, number 11. She she says, Ruth says, What have I done to deserve such kindness? After all, I'm only a foreigner, which was a big deal if you were in the Jewish community of Bethlehem. You were a Moabite woman, and he was being kind to her. And here's his response. I also know about everything you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I've heard how you left your father and mother and your own land to live here among strangers. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. He told his guys, Don't just let her glean by what falls by accident. Every now and then, let the good stuff hit the ground. End of the day, she had a big old basket full. And that was even after she had thrashed it and got rid of the chaff. And I mean, that was the real deal. Incredible. And she even had leftovers from the lunch he had provided that she took to Naomi. Incredibly blessed. The next section we're going to call Ruth Petitions Marriage. Uh, I don't, a few of y'all are old enough to remember uh, Little Abner in the Funny Papers. And they'd have the Sadie Hawkins Day race where the women would chase the men. And the man the woman caught, they went to Marion Sound. And by the way, he had his $2 special. Does you? Yes. Does you? Yes. Done. That was the whole wedding ceremony. I remember that. I've never used it, but I remember it. I've offered it to a few, but nobody took it. Ruth actually winds up proposing marriage to Boaz. Very interesting how this works. Naomi's the one who orchestrated this. Naomi understood the whole, all the ramifications, all the legal issues 
And she knew Boaz was single and had shown favor to Ruth. Boaz was a close relative. In fact, Boaz, she wanted Boaz to serve as the kinsman redeemer. Let me explain what that is. It's a term we don't use nowadays. Kinsman redeemer is a male relative who, according to various laws of the Pentateuch, had the privilege or responsibility to act on behalf of a relative who was in trouble, danger, or in need. A protector, a rescuer, a redeemer, even. Some of you see where this is headed. There's a little New Testament in the book of Ruth. Naomi gave Ruth her marching orders. She went. She had said, Boaz is thrashing barley today. She had good reconnaissance. I don't know how. Said at the end of the day, he'll be through thrashing. He'll be tired. He'll eat. He'll drink. He'll have his supper. He'll lay down to go to sleep. Then she said this. In Ruth 3, 7... He lay down at the far end of the pile of grain and went to sleep. Then Ruth came quietly, he didn't know she was there, uncovered his feet and lay down. Around midnight, Boaz suddenly woke up and turned over. He was surprised to find a woman laying at his feet. Wouldn't you be? Let's just be real. Who are you, he asked. I mean, he's half asleep. Who are you? Yeah. I'm sure he did. Ruth responded, I am your servant, Ruth, she replied. Spread the corner of your covering over me, for you are my family redeemer. He understood. She was invoking the kinsman redeemer. This is part of the thing where if someone died without an heir and they had a brother who wasn't married, that brother would then marry that wife and have an heir on behalf of the one that died. Don't ask me to explain more. Just don't. But it's that type thing. Verse 10. The Lord bless you, my daughter, Boaz exclaimed. You are showing even more family loyalty now than you did before. For you have not gone after a younger man, whether rich or poor. We don't know how old Boaz was. We know he was respected in the community. He was wealthy. He was one of the leaders. A young, he had attained a status in the community that a young man couldn't attain, even if they had a bunch of money. So then... The next step, Boaz called the elders. I want to make sure I didn't skip one. The way this worked, Boaz went to the city gate, gathered up a bunch of elders from the city, And he had warned Ruth that there was one other relative who was closer kin to Elimelech 
than Boaz was. And that man actually had the right of first option to be kinsman redeemer. And he told Ruth, he said, if that guy wants to redeem the land and marry you, so be it. If he doesn't, I will. Hey, that's pretty good. So here they go. The elders come. He talks to the guy. And here we are in Ruth 4. I titled this Marriage and a Son. And he said in the second part of verse 4, If you want the land, then buy it here in the presence of these witnesses. But if you don't want it, let me know right away because I am next in line to redeem it after you. The guy says, hey, I'll buy the land. I'll take it. Boaz then said, oh, by the way, because there was no heir, with that agreement to buy the land, you agree to marry Ruth so that she can have an heir on behalf of Malin, her husband that died. Here's what the guy said. I can't do it. It'd endanger my own estate. Because this might endanger my own estate. You redeem the land, I cannot do it. Now this part I left in here to show you just because it's kind of weird and kind of cool. Now in those days it was a custom in Israel for anyone transferring a right to purchase to remove his sandal and had it hand it to the other party. This publicly validated the transaction, kind of like getting it notarized. So the other family redeemer drew off his sandal and said to Boaz, you buy the land. A little bit weird. I almost wore sandals to do that, but I decided, no, we wouldn't go there. You buy the land. Boaz then said to the elders, you are witness to this. I've bought the land from Naomi and agree to have Ruth the Moabite as my wife. You are witnesses to it this day. Boom, she's married. There they are. I said the central character was Naomi. She was heartbroken when she entered Bethlehem. Take a look at this in Ruth 4, verse 17. The neighbor-winding women said, Now at last Naomi has a son again. Guess what? They got married, had a baby boy. Oh yeah, just right. Some of you already know who he is. And they named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse, the grandfather, and the grandfather of of King David. Wow. If you go to the Gospel of Matthew and read the genealogy of Jesus Christ, there are four Gentile women in that genealogy. Ruth is one of those. God wasn't finished yet. Bad times come in everyone's life. 
But when life seems unfair, let's remember that God isn't finished yet. It's that underlying love of God, understanding His love of us, and even when it's bad, even when it gets ugly, keeping that faith alive. If that's your heart today, I pray this story encourages you. I pray this week you'll listen to the book of Ruth two or three times. See how far down they had gone and how far up they came. More importantly, is Jesus Christ your kinsman redeemer? Because that's the New Testament in this. He is serving as our kinsman redeemer. In fact, you're going, wait a minute, I don't know. Here in Hebrews is a verse that says, So now Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. He has the legal opportunity and he has the capability to be our kinsman redeemer.